It's time for Fish Facts TV. Welcome to Fishcast and the Fishing Podcast. I'm your host, Tanner of Fish Facts TV. Hey, Tanner. I am Captain Tim. All right, Tim. And everyone, welcome to this week's special holiday edition of Fish Facts TV. Um, we're going to do a little special holiday uh, thing at the end. But uh, I've done some fishing over the past couple weeks, and Tim has done some hunting. So before we get into our holiday stories, we will start out with that. Tim, have any, any opening shots before I uh, tell you guys about my trip from a couple weeks ago? Not a whole lot. I'm excited to be here, excited to talk about uh, my hunting trip to Alabama this past week. And, um, you know, I'd love to hear some holiday talk as well. So uh, I'm ready to go. All right. All right. I will kick it off. So not this weekend, but the weekend before, we had a marginal offshore weather window. Not the the nice days I've been going for, but like the the higher end of what the boat club will allow you to go offshore. So I go out there. I, I was kind of hoping we'd be able to go look for the dolphin again, but almost as soon as I stepped out of my house that morning and I felt the wind, I was like, you know, probably is not going to happen. So we, uh, as soon as we got to the the boat club. I knew that it wasn't going to happen, but there was bait everywhere. You know, in the winter, those baits just run up into the boat club. They've been there the last two times now. So I think they're, we're pretty much good for the winter. We, we blacked out the live well with white bait uh, first cast. So that was uh, nice. And I also had bought some shrimp the night before that I kept alive with my bait well um plug-in aquarium pump that i that i brought so we had mm. we had shrimp we had white bait uh and we went out there to go see if we could find the dolphin uh we got out to about 500 feet just for getting our butts kicked uh we saw one floating crab pot but you know not we decided that it just wasn't worth it we were getting our butts kicked and uh we wanted to go so what i noticed is that we had a pretty consistent uh wind out of the north so we, we were going almost a straight line so i decided what we we're going to do is we we're going to try to drift some live baits on the bottom and uh see what we were happening just drifting so i knew an area with some good rocky bottom uh near where the spot we we had a really good trip uh last month so we went out there and uh just drifted some live pilchards to see what we could get uh, on the, I think we did two drifts. Um, I personally caught two red groupers about, you know, I didn't measure them because I thought they had to be bigger, but I think they were probably both 18 to 21 or 22. So I, I definitely think that one of them could have been a keeper uh, along with a uh, strawberry grouper or a grazebee. Um, and, and our friend Jimmy caught a couple little muttons about 14, 15 inches. And uh, my friend Christian caught the largest needlefish I've ever seen in my life by nearly double. It was probably four feet, four and a half feet long. Um, just an astounding specimen. I don't know if you've ever seen one that big. I think they're actually, they're called houndfish, but 
you know, it's hard to tell the difference between a houndfish and a needlefish when they're juveniles. But uh, the one way I, I really noticed this was different is it had like black stripes near the tail. It, it was crazy. It, it was just like nothing I'd ever seen before. Yeah, those uh, those houndfish or big needlefish are pretty wild. Um, I remember there was a, a really big one, probably like three feet long, that used to cruise up and down this beach uh, when I was running a boat out to Egmont Key years and years ago. And uh, it would show up every day and I would try to catch this thing. And it was it was really smart. It wouldn't hit like your normal jigs running like that. And um, finally, I caught it and it was this vibrant green and it was just a really wild looking fish and um, kind of stinky, too, which I've noticed with those needlefish. But yeah, when they get big like that, they're they're pretty remarkable just how um, wild they look. They can be really pretty, but those teeth on them too. I mean, did that, did that fish have huge teeth? Huge teeth. I actually, so when it first came out of the water, I thought it was a juvenile sailfish, like the way the mouth kind of stuck up and the way it was kind of slacking on the surface. And then it got a little closer and I thought it was a juvenile marlin. Um, just the way, the way it was moving in the water and the way, and then it got a little bit closer and I was like, so I, I haven't made the video yet, but it's pretty funny. I do have a referral. Like, it's a sailfish. It's a marlin. It's a needlefish. So, it's a needlefish. Uh, <laughs> that is funny. I can, I can just see it. And, um, you know, I'm not going to say it's embarrassing, but I bet you're like, oh, oh crap. <laughs> I really misjudged that one. And to what length, you know, that's pretty funny. Um, yeah. That's great. Uh, <laughs> so sorry to interrupt your story, but um, yeah, that was, that was pretty funny. Yeah, so after that, uh, we decided we were going to anchor up a little bit. Um, we found a wreck pretty close to where we'd been drifting, and we were able to get the anchor on the bottom. Um, but, you know, it, I don't know why. We were perfectly anchored on some really good bottom, and it was kind of like the, the last time we talked, you know, you had one of those disappointing days. Those next uh, hour or two anchored up was very disappointing. Um, I had two trigger fish bite me off, like bite through my leader right at the side of the boat. Um, I, I landed one yellowtail and I had another one, which I think it was a yellowtail break me off in the bottom. Jimmy missed something nice on the bottom. And it was just, you know, we ended up putting two nice porgies in the boat and one keeper yellowtail uh, along with some other, you know, I feel like we caught something else, but it, it was never hot. Um, and it was frustrating because we just missed a lot of fish uh, at that next spot. Yeah, that can be frustrating. And I think it might have been the last time I was out where it was just like missing one after the next. And it was, you know, just not getting good hook sets or getting broken off. And yeah, that's definitely a, it's nice when you're getting those, uh, those bites, but God, it can really take the wind out of your sails and kind of get you down when you can't convert. Yep. So, so then we moved to our next spot, um, just just inshore of that on another like little rocky bottom area. We anchored up, and we ended up getting the yellowtails to the boat, but they were all nine inches. So you know, it, it took a little while to get the fish up, and we finally did get the yellowtails. So, so we did put some yellowtails in the boat, but none of them were keepers. They were all going right back. Um, you know, those nine inch fish, it was fun. You know, I haven't caught a bunch of yellowtails in a while, uh, but they were all pretty small. Okay. So are, are you chumming for those yellowtails to get them kind of frenzied up or how are you attacking those guys? Yeah. Chumming and they were coming right behind the boat. Um, but again, they, they were just a little small and, uh, 
only the one keeper from the first spot, which was in 70 feet. So the second the second spot was in about 30. Okay. Well, I guess that kind of makes sense, um, you know, in my mind, intuitively, that they would be a little bit smaller in the shallower water. But um, still probably a lot of fun um, catching yeah. fish left and right. Yeah. So then we, we decided my, my Hail Mary spot, which is usually my, my last spot of the day, uh, the South Beach Reef, I call it. Um, you know, it's, it's typically one I save for the end because it's a little bit closer to the, to the entrance of the harbor um, and government cut. So, you know, we, we were just catching little yellowtails and I was like, yeah, let's, let's give this spot a shot. So we're, we're on our way to that spot and we're getting to where we're almost there. And I look ahead and there's uh, about maybe a thousand yards, a quarter mile. We see uh, just baitfish jumping everywhere and pelicans diving on them. So this is this spot's still in about 30 feet of, of water, but we go right to where the bait are, which just overshot the spot just a little bit. And immediately we just dropped those pilchards in the water uh, and went to go back on the drifting. And all three of us hooked up instantly. Um, we had no idea what it was on this school of bait, uh, but it turned out to be those banded rudderfish. So those si very similar, I mean, the same fish we were catching back in April, um, you know, small amberjacks, but three to five pounds, just a blast on light tackle. Oh, I bet. Um, those guys really pull um, on those light tackle, you're kind of freelining baits or however you're fishing with them. Um, I bet after after your nine inch yellowtail spot, um, some five pound rudderfish, you know, or a little mini mini powerhouse amberjacks would uh, would definitely um, be be a run for your money. Yeah, so we got into those. You know, it was tough to find the school. We'd kind of follow the birds. We'd get one. We'd all hook up. And so we did that about three times. Where you know, and then the birds kind of stopped diving. But I mean, still we we caught three each uh, in the period of about fifteen minutes. So it was a nice little hot run of bites. So then we went back to the spot where we were originally intending to go, but it turned out there was actually another uh, reef in between where we went to go find the amberjacks and where we were intending to fish. So instead of going to the spot where we typically go, we anchored up on this other reef that was, you know, a couple hundred yards away from the first reef and we dropped down and sure enough, the, the, there was amberjacks there too. They were on the reef. So we dropped the chum and we ended up uh, finishing out the day with another five or six more amberjacks. And uh, and the chum got the lanes and the mangroves. We probably caught five keeper lanes, um, a nice 13 or 14 inch mangrove and uh, finished out the day there. Yeah, that doesn't sound bad. I mean, it sounds like it was a grind, right? It was one of those days where. You gotta, you gotta try everything. It's not really going the way you thought, but it's not necessarily bad at the same time. It's just one of those days where you're grinding it out, getting the fish, and um, you know it wasn't how you drew it up, but it was successful. It sounds like you had a great day out there. Um, everyone seemed to have caught a lot of fish. Um, I, I did have a question. What is the win threshold for the boat club? You said that there's a certain um, denomination of like how strong the winds are and then you're not allowed offshore like where is that threshold is it is it like clearly defined or so so they say that? small craft advisory but from my experience okay. when noah will call the small craft advisory is anything more than two to three or ten to fifteen 
So if it is more than two to three, 10 to 15, then they will, they will call that offshore. Um, and then depending on what the conditions are in the bay, if the bay is more than two to three or 10 to 15, um, you know, there, there's basically like three zones. There's the okay. full scope, which is, and then there's the upper bay. So you can only fish basically in between the Rickenbacker causeway and government cut. So you get a much smaller spot um, on the days when it's bad in the South Bay. So sometimes it'll, you can go in the South Bay, but not offshore. And then other times you can only go to the North Bay. Okay. Well, that makes sense. And I, I know it's all for safety and, you know, really anyone can be a member of those boat clubs, not you know, avid boaters and good operators like yourself. So just, just curious on that regard. Yeah. So overall, you know, it was a grind again. I, I think a couple of weeks ago, I talked about grading days. I, I would say it was a B minus B, you know, it was really on track to be a C day um, until that last spot where we hit those Amber Jacks and those lanes. And, and I really thought it, it just took it from, uh, you know, we we still caught fish, but it never like, felt like we were doing well to, you know, that last hour getting those amberjacks really just kind of revitalized the energy of the day. Yeah. That's nice. When you um, kind of end on a, on a strong note, um, you know, it's always nice to come out hot, but then you taper off and you don't really have that good feeling. So getting it done at the end of the day, um, tiring everyone out on those amberjacks sounds like uh, sounds like you did a great job. Well, all right, Tim, I, I did have another quick beach trip I want to mention because I did get a new species, but let's uh, let's talk about hunting first and we'll, we'll hit that on the way out. Yeah, um, you know, as we talked about, and as you know, I, I did do a little hunting in Alabama last week. Um, <clears throat> this is for, for white-tailed deer. Um, it's a, a place I go every uh, every winter. I try to do two weeks there and I've been hunting this same piece of property for I think 14 years now so um, a number of years this is a, a really old friend of mine who I actually met through my brother years and years ago and I also worked with the gentleman who owns the property um, when I was operating vessels on the BP oil spill back in 2010 so we kind of go way back um, my buddy manages the land for uh, timber uh, that's their their family business is in timber and then kind of white-tailed deer is, 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 you know, one of those things that having good timber management and property management kind of go hand in hand. So <clears throat> my hunting trip was um, pretty lackluster, I'd say. Um, you know, I, I eat a lot of venison. I eat a lot of wild game, whether it's venison, wild hogs, turkeys, and then fish that I catch. Um, that's, that's my primary, um, you know, proteins that I get is, is from the wild. Um, so I, I wanted to get a, a couple deer. Um, I generally try to take a couple does off the property to help with his ratio of does and bucks. And, you know, folks that hunt up there, they everyone wants to get a, a nice big buck. So um, there is a balance and you have to do the doe, doe population control as well. So um, my weather was pretty bad. It was actually really warm, um, really foggy and uh, kind of variable winds and um, just not good weather or, or anything conducive for deer hunting um deer have very very powerful noses so any variable winds um that are very light makes it makes it tough um especially when it's really foggy because you can't see that far because of all the fog so you got to get in close to the deer and it's just it was one of those perfect storms of not great deer hunting weather 
Um, I did get it done. Um, I saw a lot of deer. I was mostly hunting when the weather was nicer, hunting like clear cuts where the trees had been cut out or, um, you know, in ladder stands back and kind of sparse big timber where there's high natural grasses and forbs and to try to catch them slipping. So um, worked out, got, um, got three does, um, saw a number of bucks. Um, it just wasn't anything I really, really had any interest in shooting at that point. Um, I have limited amount of wall space and, um, you know, you always want to catch the, the next bigger fish, right? You always want to break your personal best. So that's kind of what I'm looking for this year, um, is to get something bigger than anything I've gotten, uh, to this point. Um, I probably said that last year too, and it didn't work out, but, um, that's just the way it goes with hunting. So, um, got those three goes. Also got a lot of pigs. Um, my buddy is part of his, his property management. He, um, he has to trap uh, wild hogs um, to eradicate them off the property because they're, they're very destructive um, and impact his, his timber operation and, and everything. So that's kind of a um, not a glamorous part of the job is to help him with the pig control. I'm not really for that. He isn't either, but it's just part of the job. So um, that part, there's not a whole lot of sport to it, but at the end of the day, um, I did take home a good bit of wild hog meat, which is um, delicious if you take care of it, just like we've talked about on this, on this um, program. If you take care of it, if um, you get it on ice immediately and you don't let it stink for a while or you know, leave the guts in, um, wild hogs are actually very, very good table fare. A lot of people have problems with it because they don't take care of their animal and then it translates into uh gamey food so um good trip um planning another one for late january hoping that the rut will be on then the rut is, is uh when the males kind of throw their inhibitions to the wind and chase down females to procreate so um there's a lot more activity even when the weather's bad they get out and about and kind of um you see them in the daylight, you see them running, chasing, scent checking, et cetera. So that's always a lot of fun to hunt that time of year and um, excited to get back at it. So tell me a little bit more about the hog hunting. So you said it wasn't much of a sport. Uh, what kind of gun did you use? And were they just not afraid of people or, or how did that work? No. So with the hogs in particular, um, one of the camp rules is if you see a hog, um, you know, he wants you to shoot it just to, to get them off the property. But with the hog hunting in particular for, for this time, it was a trap that we were using. Um, so you bait the trap with corn or some specialty feed and you just leave it, um, you know, kind of un, un, um, triggered. So they get used to coming in and out of this trap. Um, this one in particular is like a big net that's in a, in a circle where the pigs can get under it, but then they can't get back out once they're underneath it. Um, but there were 11 pigs that, that ended up getting into it. And at that point they're stuck in a, in a trap that's maybe 20 feet in diameter and you end up just shooting them in there in order to, to get rid of them. So that's the kind of, uh, um, I don't really like that. It's not for me. Um, I help out my buddy because, you know, I'm there and, and a lot of the times when I'm hunting, we're also doing a lot of work, um, whether it's, uh, you know, um, walking um, fence lines or walking, um, 
and, and looking at different um, non-native grasses and trying to do this or that. It's all part of the game, right? It's all part of everything he needs to do on a daily basis. Um, and one of them is that, uh, that hog control. So that's why I, um, I don't think it's very sportsmanlike um, to trap these hogs and then you end up, you know, pulling up next to them and just shooting them. So um, not, not the best time there, but um, I do understand why he has to do it. Yeah, no, I, I totally understand. You know, I, I actually did a little bit of work on invasive species during my uh, master's degree program. So I, I understand that, you know, a lot of invasive species can be real, real problems with the ecology of an area. And all those hogs are native to Europe. They're not native to North America. And they're invasive, you know, in no all over North America and Hawaii. And, you know, Unfortunately, killing invasive species isn't always something that's pleasant, but it is something that the wildlife really needs um, and somebody has to do it. So, uh, you know, while it maybe doesn't seem like the most noble cause at the time, it is a very important thing to do. No, definitely. And, and you know, the, the kind of the silver lining or saving grace to the whole thing is that we don't waste um, the meat. Um, there's some uh, underserved members in the community that will gladly take any of that hog meat. And, you know, I also, like I mentioned before, I cut up a lot and brought it home. So um, there's there's um, plenty of meat to go around. And, uh, um, you know, I think that if the hogs just went to waste, it would be even worse. But um, luckily for me and, and some of those folks that, that live in that part of the world, they were able to benefit from some of those hogs. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, all right, Tim, before we do our special holiday uh, segment, let me tell you about a quick little beach trip I did that ended up with something uh, really notable. So uh, after my beach trip in Destin, I kind of wanted to get some shrimp and fish here at the beach and kind of use those same tactics for whiting um, as I was doing in Destin. So I, I bought a couple shrimp from the local uh, bait shop and I put on some little hooks um, and, and wanted to see if I could pull any whiting off South Beach because I know they're here. I've seen them before. And... Um, Sure enough, I caught no whiting, but I did have a lot okay. of action. I uh, probably caught five or six blue runners, five or six jack curvals, a mohara, and a permit. So oh. uh, it was it was cool to uh, you know I fished only for about an hour, hour and fifteen minutes. So it was you know consistent action almost every cast. It was a very high tide, and the water wasn't as clear as it usually was. Um, so I think that might have had something to do with it. Uh, and I got broke off by something big. I don't think it was a snook. I think it was probably a bigger Jack Creval. But it was it was a, a consistent action all morning. Um, you know, when I first caught that permit, I wasn't sure if it was a permit, a pompano, or a palmetta. You know, they, they can be difficult to tell apart at that size. It was about the size of my hand. So it wasn't tiny. Um, you know, still a very small mouth, but when you look at the fins uh, between the three, it, it is pretty clear because a pompano by that size looks like a bigger pompano. A palmetto will have its stripes and it ha has longer mm -hmm. fins, whereas the permit has basically one tall fin on the top. It almost looks like a halfway between a palmetto and a pompano. The bottom fin is more of like a yellow fin, like a pompano, and the top fin is taller like a palmetto. So, uh, you know, I looked at a lot of pictures online and I, I put it on one of my Facebook groups and everyone confirmed that it officially was uh, a permit. 
So it was cool to, you know, officially get that permit, even if it was on a little sabiki hook with a tiny piece of shrimp. Uh, it still counts on my species list as a permit. No, definitely. You know, it doesn't matter how you catch it. Um, you know, look at our friend Luke Ovgard. You know, he, he uses stuff even smaller than that for his species list. Um, I, I understand exactly what you're saying. Um, the identification with those species can be difficult when they're in that range. You know, um, I've had uh, a couple different um, permit that I've caught over the years. And I'm like, oh my God, what is this? Is this a big pompano? Is it a permit? But everything you said, I mean, you hit the nail on the head um, with those identification markers. Um, but it's it can be tough. You know, you, you kind of waver a little bit. What is this thing? And, um, you know, the, the last couple of times that, that I've, I've gotten into that um, kind of ID debate, it's ended up being a permit. So it um, seems like it's uh, it holds true with you two, uh, at least for this one. Well, I, I think it's kind of funny. A... Permit looks like a bit like a big permit is shaped like a big pompano, but a little permit is not. You know, I, I think as permit get bigger, they get more of the uniform shape of a pompano, but the little ones are, are much, you know, they're much broader um, than the um they're much broader than, than their older ones, at least relative to their size, because a large permit, you know, if you compare the shape of the head to the body, it looks a lot more like a pompano than the shape of the little ones, which is pretty different. Yeah, they, they can be um, definitely some tough critters to get right. But um, I like that you went to all your different resources to, to confirm what you caught. Um, you know, that's, that's nice to, to see. I know I see it all the time. And you know, in different groups where people ask, you know, wholesome questions and then they get, you know, a lot of fodder where it's just, you know, BS answers. But I'm, I'm glad you're able to, to get that answer and, um, you know, uh, find that permit and check it off your species list. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Well, before we end it, uh, instead of a fish of the week, what we're going to do today is our favorite holiday related fishing stories since this is our holiday special um i already have mine in mind we you know every year i try to go up to jacksonville for the holidays and so we try to get out on the boat um during the holidays but do you have any uh, holiday special tim yeah i uh i generally do quite a bit of fishing around the holidays um primarily in between christmas and new year's um, for pretty much every year of my life, starting when I was an infant all the way to this year, um, we've gone as a family to Homosassa Springs, Florida, and done, you know, some snorkeling with the manatees and fishing and boating and doing all that fun stuff. And, you know, me and my family, we look forward to that more than Christmas itself. So um, I have a lot of stories I could, I could um, you know, pull, pull from that experience. Um, at one point in time, um, if I ever was off like Christmas Eve or Christmas day, my wife and I would run out on the boat if it was a nice day just for the morning and kind of have our own little holiday morning when there's no one else on the water, um, to, to kind of, to fart around out there and, and do that. But, you know, I'll, I'll probably say my favorite, um, holiday memory. And it was just, you know, a few days after Christmas, kind of in that Christmas to new year's, um, timeframe is when my wife caught this monster redfish, um, up at uh, um, Homosassa Springs. And at the time, Tanner, my wife and I were not even dating. 
we were in a couple. This was like going way, way back all the way to when we were in high school. So we've known each other since high school. Um, haven't been together, you know, that whole time, but we've known each other a long, long time. And um, I invited her to come up on my family trip and uh, hang out with my family for a few days uh, at Home Assassa. So good on her for coming. Um, bless her heart, because my family's a handful, as she can a- attest to now. But um, the funny part of the story is my brother and I were fishing with her up in the like the spring head of, of Home Assassa Springs in the evening. And, um, you know, she wasn't really the best fisherman. And you know, I was, I wanted her to catch fish, but I was kind of really wanting to catch fish too. And, you know, maybe show off a little bit. So I, I bait her hook up with some shrimp and I kind of throw it in an area that is historically not the best. I'll be <laughs> clear. It is not, I didn't really anticipate her catching a whole lot there. Um, so I, I have her bait soaking over there. She's holding on to the rod while my brother and I are catching snapper after snapper and black drum and sheep's head. Um, and all of a sudden she goes, I got one. And we're like, oh, okay, cool. And this fish was big. It was a big fish. It was pulling drag. She's struggling with it. And I'll, I'll give um, a lot of respect and kudos to my brother because she's like, take the rod, take the rod. And he's like, no, Tim, don't touch the rod. She's going to reel this in by herself. And I'll be darned, she did. And it was a, a really big redfish. I think it was like, t- like 27 inches, which is, you know, at the very top end of the slot, um, range for that fish. And, and one of the bigger redfish that we've caught there, um, Homosassa Springs has a lot of redfish, but not always like those big upper slot ones. So it was a, a great fish. She did a fantastic job. And, um, you know, I, I guess from then on, she was just hooked, so to speak. So um, good on her for catching that holiday redfish. That That's probably my favorite story. So what do you got to yeah. say, Tanner? Can you top that one? That's <laughs> a, that's a really awesome story. Um, you know, I, I didn't know you could fish that close in Homosassa, but, uh, you know, because I've been there before and we just kind of looked in it from like the aquarium. I don't know. Is there like an aquarium? Maybe I'm thinking of a different spring, but we went to no, some there, spring. There is. Yeah. They have like a big acrylic wall that's way back and the, like the true um, springs where it comes out of the ground. And there's a bunch of snook and big jacks and stuff where we were was, you know, what they call the springs. It's not way up in there. That's all regulated, and it's an exclusionary zone to um, to, to give the manatees a little reprieve, a little um, area where they can hang out in the warm water. But we were close to it. We kind of go right up next to the push the limits of uh, of how close you can get, and then fish around that area because it's very productive um, during the winter time. Nice. Yeah. All right. Well, so, my holiday story is. Uh, I want to say I was 23, 24. I know it was right after college. Um, again, Jimmy, the guy I still fish with this day, our, our mutual friend, we were both home for the holidays. I don't think we'd seen each other in about a year. You know, he was out working in Orlando and I was working in New Orleans at the time. Uh, but we were both home and, you know, he had a boat at his dad's house. I was like, Jimmy, let's, uh, let's take out your dad's boat. I think it was on Christmas Eve. And, uh, I didn't really, I still don't know the Jacksonville inshore fishing that well, but there's a couple spots I'd fished with my dad and we tried them and, you know, it was a cold day out on the boat, but we did really well. You know, I got a nice, uh, probably top slot redfish. There's a funny picture um, with me and like a Santa in the background with this big redfish. 
I think we might have gotten the full slam redfish flounder. And then uh, when it, I had a really good spot where you could catch, we call them yellowmouth trout. I know they call them weak fish up north. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, so so we, I, we had a good spot that would usually have those, but you needed a bobber. Uh, and usually what we, we would do when I was fishing with my dad is have a cork and fish it like 10 feet deep and just have that shrimp just kind of sit right above the bottom. Um, but we didn't have any bobbers. So what we ended up doing, uh, and maybe we had one bobber, but we used Jimmy's boat keychain, which was like a floating boat keychain, <laughs> as a bobber. And it worked excellent. We probably caught 20 trout. Um, and it ended up being just, you know, we weren't out there all day, but it was a cold day. And uh, we ended up catching the inshore slam for Jacksonville, um, which is the trout, the red, and the flounder. And, uh, you know, had a lot of fun. No, that's really cool. Um, I like the improvisation there with using the floating keychain. Um, hopefully the keys weren't still attached, Tanner. <laughs> I know they probably weren't, um, but that's that's funny. Um, I, I like it. You know, you got the slam. You got to hang out with a good friend, you know, still still close with them all these years later. So. You know, that that definitely is a, a really good story and um, kind of funny there. A little a little uh, layer of humor with the uh, keychain aspect. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, all right, Tim um, and everyone have a have a happy holidays. And if you could give us a holiday gift, maybe write us a sweet review. Uh, we, we'd appreciate that. You know, I, I don't know that we'll be back together next week. I'm hoping to get some holiday fishing in. Uh, but it might be tough to to get a pod in, but we will have to see. Yeah, I, I have a feeling it'll be tough just, you know, with uh, Christmas this Sunday and everything that goes along with that. And then uh, the, the following week, I'll be um, I'll be in Homosassa, just like I, I mentioned. So um, wish me luck there. And, um, you know, hope everyone has a, a wonderful uh, um, holiday season and um, spend time with your families and get out on the water. All right. Sounds good. Thanks, everyone.